0: Hello, friends. I'm Chris Chavez, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast, my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in depth to share brilliant insights and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments, as well as their experiences within the sport. This show is presented by Velis Recovery Footwear. Velis is an active recovery footwear brand designed to help you restore, revive, and re-energize before and after you train. After two years in development, this team has created the world's most comfortable, supportive, and lightweight active recovery shoe in the world. We talk a lot about high performance and training on the Sidious Mag podcast, but I want to take a second and tell you about something equally important to performing your best, and that's recovery. This is something that I've learned over the years, and I can't stress it enough take the time to recover properly. One recovery trick is to make sure that you're putting on the right footwear after your run because your feet take a beating, whether you're training or you're racing. And a new brand that Kyle and I have discovered over the last couple of months is Velus Active Recovery Footwear. This brand was started by three athletic footwear industry veterans that really know what they're doing. They created what they call tri-motion underfoot technology that cushions, supports, and flexes in all of the right spots and is engineered to let your feet heal faster and better Plus, these shoes are so lightweight. I've been wearing them for a while now and absolutely love them. I rock them to and from a track workout. Kyle puts them on after races. Velus Actory Recovery Footwear should be in your footwear mix and part of your plan to perform at your best. So check out Velus Footwear at VellusFootwear.com. That's V-E-L-O-U-S footwear.com. Grab a pair today and get 20% off with discount code SIDIUSMAG20. Use capital C and capital M in that discount code, SIDIUSMAG20 at checkout. Now you can experience what recovery footwear should feel like. I also want to take a quick moment now to shout out all of the supportive listeners on Patreon who keep us going strong. With your support, we're able to plan for on-site coverage at races this fall. It helps us with travel costs. It helps us with website and podcast expenses. It helps us with editing across all the different shows on the Sidious Mag network. You can see all the work for yourself on YouTube, this podcast feed, Instagram, Twitter, and, of course, SidiousMag.com. So a big shout-out to Dan Mazzo for signing up within the past week. If you want to join this loyal legion of backers that keep us going strong, sign up today at Patreon.com SidiousMag. On Patreon, you can donate anything from a dollar a month, and we even have some people who contribute $20 or $30 a month. And for those of you who are unable to commit to a monthly contribution, you can also make a one-time donation by sending any dollar amount over to Sidious Mag on Venmo. Consider Venmo like a virtual tip jar. If you chip in, attach any message you want, we'll shout it out on the next pod. So shout out to Paula Duran for the generous tip within the past week. And last but not least, I'm grateful for all of you who take a moment to shout out the podcast on your Instagram stories and on Twitter. The athletes and guests also appreciate the love. And if you haven't already done so, make sure you're subscribed and you leave a little rating and review on iTunes as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You don't want to miss an episode. Thanks everyone for your support. I've looked at the numbers and people seem to enjoy when we talk NCAA cross country in the past. So I'm bringing back Isaac Wood, our cross-country guru and the founder of The Wood Report, to break down for us what we should be watching for this season. If you go to woodreportxc.com, you'll find all of his rankings and ratings for each team. He goes through every school and every roster to project who will be competing at this year's Big Dance in Stillwater, Oklahoma on November 17th. We've got an interesting season on our hands with NAU going for its sixth title in seven years and NC State looking to become the first women's team to go back-to-back in over a decade. Isaac has some bold takes on those teams and so much more. I've transcribed some of his big takeaways so you can find those and his rankings at SidiousMag.com. Let's get into it. Here is Isaac Wood. All right. It's an annual tradition. We get ready for cross-country season by bringing on the one and only Isaac Wood of the Wood Report to break things down for us. I like doing this at the start of the season and then uh, right before the national championships. So Isaac, welcome back to the City of Smack podcast. But I think in addition to that, now you're no longer at BYU. You've got your hands back into coaching building a program from scratch and at the same time working with a pro team so for the listeners we want to update them on what's what's going on in life with you
1: chris man it's just a pleasure to be back on the pod um thanks for having me on so a couple new things in my life one um, started a brand new cross-country team and track team at uh, salt lake community college um, it's the first junior college uh track and field team in utah ever maybe Um, At least since since Utah Valley was a junior college, I think at one and Dixie and Utah Tech was. But now we're the only one in Utah. So uh, that's been fun. Building a team from scratch has been been really awesome. And putting a team together and a team culture out of thin air has been really cool. And it's been fun to see the see our athletes come together. And, you know, that's just it's been great. We've had a good start to the season already. So can't complain.
0: And then the pro team, what's 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 new with that?
1: Yeah, yeah. What is it new with that? Um, every day, it's just, it's it's interesting. Putting you know, starting a another, starting another thing from thin air. Really, a run elite program. Jared Ward and I started. Um, in a lot of ways, it's it's easier to call almost like a pro running aggregate than it is a team. There is a group of people who run under the rep logo, but then there's a lot of others who won't. That will just be supported through the run elite program, um, and uh, we we were able to convince the state of Utah to fund us to to get us started at least, and then know um using those revenue streams to create more revenue streams to continually uh, support pro running in utah so
0: yeah so what it, what's the biggest thing you've learned from that because like uh, obviously your dad <laughs> was an agent and like he's worked the traditional way of the kind of like funding pro runners through apparel and footwear contracts but this is you know through the state which is like not common whatsoever
1: no right um what i've learned is um, i think shoe companies right now are having a hard time figuring out the value of paying runners and obviously there is some value or they wouldn't still be doing it but i you know we we tried really hard to convince you know various companies to put a pro team in utah and and uh you know just no one really just caught the vision of it and we thought that's okay you know, we'll, we'll just do this ourselves. So <laughs> that's when I went to the state. So what I've learned is, is, is that I think there's a lot of good running talent in Utah and throughout the country, obviously who aren't getting funded. And there's other ways to fund outside the box. If you just, if you just, you know, can think outside the box and, and, uh, and really get after it and finding the right connections and finding the right people to help you as well is obviously really important in getting those things done. And that's what we were able to do with the run league program.
0: Nice. No, I'm excited for you with that. And so how did you manage to find the time to, uh, you know, crunch numbers, dig through every roster for the Wood Report? Well, also at, on top of that, being a dad and being a great husband. So like, it's like, do you ever sleep? <laughs>
1: you know, I think I've been a little more on edge the last like couple months of my life than I've probably ever been. <laughs> um, And so... It's been good though. Um, you know, the wood report is nice because I have a couple people who help me with it on the data and, and uh, development development side. So really it's more just me going back after the data runs and being and like fixing all the stuff that isn't right. So that's what I spend most of my time on. And there's, you know, the bottom line is there's always going to be accidental duplicates or, you know, uh, I, you know, I misrated the race and someone's way too low and I get to hear about it in an email or a, you know, tweet or something, and that's okay. Um, I want it to be good, so um, that that stuff all usually happens at night while my wife watches The Crown or something, <laughs> and I'm working on the wood So anyway. <laughs>
0: So, can you remind, I guess, the listeners how the Wood Wood Report is formulated? Because you know, you it used to be just like you know, in a Excel document, and you would just crunch all these numbers. Now, there's an algorithm to it. There's its own website. Um, have there been sort of any sort of major behind you know the scenes changes since the last year, the last two years?
1: Yeah. So the biggest things is is the the UI UX experience on the website is significantly better um my neighbor learned about the wood report and he's a cto of some company he's like i'm bored i want to code can i just fix this for you and i was like yeah dude so he's totally revamped my website from a data standpoint um we've done a better job of um we we when 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 we wait a race and and each runner in the race is assigned a rating if it's plus or minus two uh, of what their pre or if it's minus two from what re- from what their original average was it flags it and i can look at it to see if that's legit or not so that's one thing that's helped helped not drag down ratings so much on some people um and then uh, that's one major thing we've changed and then we only we we it, um, everyone's rating is the average of their most recent three races instead of it being an aggregate and that's been good too so the truth is, is that it's really not it's probably at its most accurate point, like right after conference, mm-hmm. um, because it gives it gives all the studs at least two or three races to kind of get in and and kind of update where they're at for, on the season. And so even right now, like I've got teams that are probably a little lower than I would maybe have them, or some some teams a little higher than I would than I actually think they're going to do. I'm just going to let the data play it out. It's kind of like the net in in NCAA basketball where. At the beginning of the year, it, it, you know, it's, it's good. It gives you a decent idea. It might, it might jump the gun on a few teams and it might be underrating a few teams, but in general, it's good. And it'll only get better as the season goes on.
0: All right. So it's late September. We'll make of the numbers and some of these early, uh, season races, what they are. Uh, so let's dig right into it. We'll start ladies first, uh, women's team title you have nc state as the number one ranked school the defending champions and last year uh they won with a total of 84 points and this time around uh caitlin tui is coming in as the ncaa 5k champion and if we recall from the outdoor season they had five women qualify for the uh 5k on the track so how good is this team
1: honestly it might be the best women's team ever Really? It could be. It could be. They've got seven women that have run under sixteen for five K. <laughs> seven women. Okay. Like most teams across the country, they won't have a they won't have a woman better than better than any of their seven. In fact, there will be teams that will qualify for NCAAs that won't have a woman better than anyone in their top seven. Wow. And so that's how deep they are. And their eighth is Brooke Robber, probably, who's really, really good. You know, she's a four twenty-four, sixteen thirty out of high school girl who's running well right now too and, and you know when your eighth is that good it's like it, it's almost not even fair but it is because that's the, that's the deal It give give laurie hennis a lot of credit and then it's C state program is rocking and rolling they they i i could see them scoring 30 or 40 points into double a's
0: oh my god so when we look at the rating that they get on the wood report and it says for uh 48.256 that's their rating that's you know, almost two full points higher than right. New Mexico, who you have second. Right. So, you know, it, it, what does this tell us sort of like, even in the back end of things, they can go to, you know, if their fifth is for, you know, way further back, it, how far back does their fifth have to be in order for them to, you know, kind of blow it and New Mexico upsets?
1: I mean, here's the deal. when you When you're racing at a course like Oklahoma State, there's always going to be a little more variance. It's tough. You don't know what the weather's going to be like at this point. It's probably going to be fine, but um, but it's such a hard course that that's the one variable that could that could factor into it not being a perfect day for NC State on the women's side. And I think New Mexico, Alabama, Oklahoma State themselves. We'll have something to say about 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 you know me thinking NC State's the best team in, the, in maybe ever um, because you saw the way Natalie Cook and and Taylor Rowe looked uh, this past weekend. They looked really good and when you're on your home turf, there's just a comfortability there and a familiarity that allows you to run a little bit freer and a little bit a little bit more relaxed. So um, certainly you hate to really put something out there like that, but you know I, I don't think I've ever seen a team on the women's side this this deep in the last long time i'm sure i'm sure jesse squire might think of a team that's better and, and and that's or that you know might be comparable um but i think i think right now i think that there's you know probably no team that's 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 really close i think right now it's probably a battle for second with new mexico alabama and oklahoma state um, alabama is criminally underrated on the women's side I, I'm, I'm not even sure what people are like Maybe they know something that I don't, but I don't think so. <laughs> um, I've had enough conversations with people close to the Alabama program or around the program to be like, "No, this is no this. The Alabama team is legit, and you've got Mercy Chalangat, who's probably the probably the best runner in the country right now. Maybe her Tui, or or the way Natalie Cook looked, you know, um, looked really good. So, um, but certainly, uh, I, 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 you know, it's crazy that." In other years, this New Mexico team would maybe be the best team in the country by quite a bit. In another year, but that's just how good NC State is.
0: You brought up Alabama, and I'll come back to Oklahoma State in just a second. But Alabama was t- 15th last year for you for you to kind of put them in the podium conversation this year. What changed?
1: Um, they brought in some. They brought in some really good talent. Tilda um, Elamoy Moy. Um, is, is, uh, I believe she is new or did she transfer in either way? She's new to the program and uh, Hilda, um, so Hilda, Lel-Moy-Moy, I really like, um, let's see, they, they got some good, um, another, another good talent, Lily Walters, um, Cammy Crouch, uh, let's see, Elka Makan. Um, and, uh, they had probably one of their best recruiting classes ever, and uh, so I like them. I think that they, I think they're talented. They've got a good low stick and probably several good low sticks. Lomita Acical is really good. Um, and Amaris Tanisma is really good. So obviously like there's, you know, they've got pieces. And so it's just a matter of, you know, when you get, when you put it together at a meet, when you got a couple of girls in the, in the probably single digits or close, and then you've got three other athletes that can be all American or close, that's a team that's going to be second or third.
0: Going back to Oklahoma State, because you brought up Natalie Cook, who last year was Dude. just light, lighting it up in a high school scene. Yeah. And, you know, kind of we learn a little bit more about how she trained running four days a week. And, you know, it was sort of like there's so much more. The ceiling is very high for Natalie Cook. And this past weekend, she ends up winning on her home course, beats, you know, Taylor Rowe, I guess, like even though their teammates, like it's an early season meet. So you right. can't take too much from that. But, Natalie cook is looking like the real deal and being a, a, like a instant contributor to this Oklahoma state team. They're looking to try and make their first, you know, podium ever, I guess in program history on the, on the women's side. So how likely is that you have them penciled in at number four, but it's very close to, to Alabama.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think they're in them in Alabama, probably interchangeable for that third or fourth spot. Um, you know, you have to give Dave Smith a lot of credit for what he's doing with Natalie cook right now probably the hardest job as a cross country coach is taking someone who's really, really, really good and helping, helping them get even better. Right. That's probably the hardest job because a lot of times, you know, a lot of a lot of times those athletes are pretty, I don't want to call them tapped, but you know, they've been, they've, you know, there's not as much ceiling there. Obviously if they just even maintain how good they were at the high school level, they can still be very relevant in college, but he's already elevated her there. Right. And I think that's, you know, phenomenal for, for what um for what they're doing and and you know they've got depth behind them they added a a new a new athlete Bill Jeff Karui who looked really good um Steve von and Gabby Hentman are good Heidi Dimeo Stephanie Moss so they're, they're 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 pretty deep um but you know, outside their depth they've got two really good low sticks probably probably better than Alabama's low sticks so the battle between Bama and Oklahoma State will be on their back end three four five.
0: Friends, Tracksmith is back supporting the City of Smack podcast. They were behind us during the World Championships, and now they're backing us this fall. Tracksmith is an independent running brand inspired by a deep love of the sport. Their new fall collection just released and is now available. It features staples ready for all of your training and racing needs. Inspired by classic team kits, their Van Cortland collection features lightweight 209 mesh and performance silhouettes. For training, their Van Cortland Grand Shorts and their Van Cortland tee are some of my personal favorites. And then on race day, the Van Cortlandt singlet helps me feel fast and stand out on the course. Because everyone knows, when you look good, you run well. I wore that at last year's New York City Marathon and I was planning to do so again, but I've got some other exciting plans for race day. This year, I was hoping to fundraise for the Release Recovery Foundation, which is a nonprofit supporting those in need of substance abuse and mental illness treatment through scholarships. I run with them in Central Park every Monday, and I've shared a few of the stories from the friends that I've made through Release on this podcast. Tracksmith is allowing me to give back. When you use code SidiousMag at checkout, you'll get free shipping and 5% of the sale will go towards the Release Recovery Foundation. So get decked out in amazing Tracksmith apparel and help someone out in the process who may be struggling with their addiction or mental health. Use code SidiousMag at Tracksmith.com today. The last time that people were out on this course, it was BYU who came away with the, with the team title they're down at number six in your rankings. It seems to be somewhat right of a rebuilding year of sorts, which if sixth place is your is your rebuilding year, that's that's kind of most, you know, schools would take that. But what's happening uh at BYU under Coach Taylor this year, that's different than than years past. Because I guess one thing that's just a common trend across all of the NCAA is that you have these people who stayed, you know, the extra year, you know, because of COVID the COVID year or you know, injuries being, you know, six year senior and so the number of people who fall into that boat um are fewer and byu i guess is kind of one of those teams that that reap the benefits of that over the last two years
1: right you know here's the bottom line with with any team that guilty taylor is going to coach you can never count them out okay she's a mastermind um and they've got um when jenna hutchins figures it out she was i think she was in the mix of oklahoma state until the last k and so when she gets that right and she's able to 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 feel good that final K which she will all of a sudden you're looking at a team that's got you know two or three girls that will be all Americans and NCAAs. and you know they they've got a sneaky podium shot opportunity as well and again the LG Taylors kids always run well at the national meet and so i you know they're a team that if i'm if i'm ranked above them i'd be a little nervous you know um, Alvin Frenthaway is really good. McKenna Lee, Lexi Halliday, then you throw in the Jenna Hutchins. Um, then they have really a bunch of really good talented freshmen as well. Riley chamberlain, Taylor Rotinski, Addie Bruning. Um, and, uh, all that combined. That's a, that's a really good roster. So I think them being six is probably about right for right now, but, um, certainly you can see them creeping up. And I think one, one thing to note about everything that we're talking about is, and this is a classic of Joe Franklin saying September doesn't matter. Right. It really doesn't. I mean, all it does is it gives your kids a chance to compete. You get a chance to see what other teams have got. Obviously, it's a good stimulus to have a, a hard race, you know, at, during most people's training cycles, then. So that's fine. But really, I mean, you know, the, the, you'll start to really see where people are at come, you know, WISCO or pre and then their conference meets and then, you know, from their nationals. So it, it's kind of fun to see where people are at right now, but there's a long season ahead still. So, I mean, really, we're still looking at what, seven weeks until mm-hmm. NCAAs. So. It's a long time. A lot can happen. <laughs> it's uh, Coaches are already panicking across the country, like, you know, rap our kids in bubble wrap. Like, you know, anyways, so I, that's certainly something to note.
0: So to kind of just quickly recap for the people listening, you have NC State number one, New Mexico number two, Alabama three, Oklahoma State four. Washington five, BYU six, Arkansas seven, Georgetown eight, Colorado nine, Stanford 10 as as your top 10 as of September 27th, 2022. Now from that five through 10 group, so that's Washington, BYU, Arkansas, Georgetown, Colorado, and Stanford. Who has kind of like, you know, the the most to gain and the most to 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 lose over the next, you know, two months in terms of just like can ma- make up the biggest ground? Or lose the biggest ground.
1: Yeah. Uh, Georgetown looked really good early, and I've liked the transfers that they brought in. I think they probably might have the most to lose in terms of just, like, I have them pretty high right now, and um, and I think that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to kind of see if that team comes together. Um, I think the most in-game would probably be Colorado. Um, again, another kind of, you know, you know something you can't count into a into data or ratings, you know, is coaching <laughs> and you know we all know the wetmore factor and you know and obviously coach burrows as well you know um those those women are good and uh i think that they would have even finished better over the weekend if, if hannah Udi, i think uh, i think she dnf'd but had she finished they would have finished a little higher obviously had she run well i guess is what i should say but i think they have a lot more to gain they'll, they'll keep getting better and keep climbing um stanford is interesting you know they've got some really i mean Bottom line is, you know, from a talent perspective and from a recruiting standpoint, you know, they they bring in the best kids year in and year out in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, there's there's probably not a better recruiting class in the country year in and year out than most Stanford gets over the last 10 years. Right. So I think that, you know, that that is a big question mark for me for them right now is can they take what they're bringing in and keep developing them and get them to a point where they can be be a factor in, in in a podium conversation for right now i think that's a decent spot for them um again another another coaching factor would be lance harder at arkansas you know i mean he's always i mean his kids are always going to be ready it's a, honestly it could be a golden era for for women's distance coaches in ncaa if you really think about it, think about how many really great coaches there are right now laurie hennis joe franklin dave smith uh, Maricia Powell, Bill Taylor, Lance Harder, right? Those are a lot of really good coaches, Heather Burroughs, Mark Wetmore. So um, there's not a lot, of, if you're a great high school distance runner, there's a lot of great choices, really. Like um, I don't know if there's ever been a time where there's been this many great and proven coaches out there.
0: One school that I didn't mention in the top 10 that you have pretty far back at number 18, Notre Dame, they were fifth last year. They lost a couple pieces, but why sort of the major discrepancy there between, uh, you know, last year's finish and where you have them at, you know, right now.
1: That's a good question. Um, a lot of it is probably just due to some early season races that maybe didn't, that I, they were either rated poorly or, I, or they weren't, you know, looking quite as sharp as maybe they would be. Maybe they tempoed it, um. Obviously I like Maddie Denner. Um I like I like um they had a nice pickup in Charlotte Bednar, Olivia Marquise, Anna Sophia Keller. Katie uh Katie Thronson was a good bring a good girl that they brought over from uh Tennessee. Um so you know, I think that they'll climb. That's another team that will climb. Them and Northern Arizona is a little low based on how really well they ran at Oklahoma State. Um, they're low only because I I didn't have them quite as high. So it'll take a few more meets, I think, to kind of bring them up to speed to where they are. But also, that's I do that for a reason because what if it was what if they just had one great day? And you know that you're usually you're, you're usually um, an average of your three best races, anyways, right? Like even in recruiting, you know, I want to look at an athlete's three best marks average. To kind of get a good idea of what they're really at, and similar here, you know, you kind of want to get a you know more data, a little a little larger sample size than just one meet to really find out where where a team is at.
0: Say something nice about uh my boy uh Dylan Sorensen's UNC squad because uh you know I have them kind of pegged here just sort of a little bit as a as a sleeper squad you've got them at number sixteen but you know I've seen them in other places a little bit higher up so what what stands out to you about uh the Tar Heels?
1: Dude, I'll say lots of nice things. Dylan Sorens is a great guy, one of their best runners. My brother was her high school coach, of course. I have positive things to say about Carly Hansen. Um, you know, uh, but Carly Hansen and Bryn Brown are really good. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they bring back a few others that they were in that really good freshman class that they had with, with Carly and Bryn. Um, and so I, I feel like, you know, we'll kind of get to a better feeling for where they're at probably after, after the middle of October. Um, they're definitely going be, gonna to be a team that's going to be coached well, that will be ready to run well uh, when it matters. Um, Again, they had another good recruiting class, bringing in a- Ava Klingbail from Colorado, and uh, bringing in Fatima Alanis. and then they have still got Sasha Neglia as well. And so they're 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 a solid team with lots of good talent. Um, so you're probably right in saying that they 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 might be more of a top ten ish team than they are right now. But to be honest, that's the hard thing about this is there's probably twenty teams that twenty five teams that that think they're a top ten team, and then only ten actually need to do it. So.
0: Who do you have pegged as as your sleeper team to watch that could probably, you know, aside from, you know, a UNC crack that top 10 or fall into just a space that you, you know, probably wouldn't have guessed a month
1: ago? Yeah, yeah, I've got two. One of them is, I don't know. I might, there might be just something I don't know. Okay. And someone could tell me later, but I like Florida's women. They're not Hmm. even ranked. I don't think, but I've got them 12. I really like Parker Valby, um, Angelina Perez, um, Imogen Barrett. Uh, those are the three I can think of without having to look up anyone else. Um, I like Florida. So, you know, maybe I'll get uh, uh, you know an email from Salinski saying, hey, dude, uh, here's why. But I like them. Uh, the other team I like, and this is a bit of a homer move, but I'm going to do it, is Utah Valley. Mm-hmm. They ran well at the Jamboree. Everland Kenboys, um, probably a top t- 10 to 15-girl NCAAs on the right day. Um and with a low stick like that at NCAA's and they're pretty deep. Um they've got a really solid six or seven athletes. You know, they're they're a team that could crack that top fifteen on the right day. And I've seen them a couple times in person this year already, and they look good.
0: On the individual side, is it Caitlin Tui versus Mercy Chalanget for for that, you know, number one spot?
1: Yeah, I actually have Parker Valby number one. I think that might she hasn't run a race yet. So, you know, that might change. I, I'm basing that off of how well she looked indoors, how good she looked indoors. I can speak English here. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen her PRs. I mean, she's run 1520 for 5K and was second behind Tui and 853 for 3K. So I, I would throw Chalangat Valby, Tui, and Cook all together, probably. Um in, in a in you know, the pot of people who have a shot to, to win the individual title and maybe a Taylor Rogue because she's gonna be on her home course as well, but those with, with Cook. So I, I like that. I like those um uh, those four or five. The scary thing is though, Chris, do you know who comes after those four or five? Like three or four more NC State girls. That's how good they are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I know just noticed that you when I clicked in. on the
1: individual yeah. rankings. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. That's how, dude. They're so good scary
0: when was the last time we had a freshman of this this high you're very high on natalie cook
1: oh i like natalie cook a lot that's a dude she took down a big time field and uh i think that i think she showed some real moxie moxie that you that sometimes you don't see um and i like i like that a lot um yeah when was when, when was there a really good freshman at that level jordan hazy yeah um man there's got to be some others i'm just you know i'm kind of in juco mode i guess i'm just kidding yeah, but right. <laughs> uh i'm trying to, think, trying to think of all the good d1 women the last several years uh, freshmen but uh but yeah i mean i think Natalie cooks i mean that that run right there really showed something for me
0: the city of smack podcast is also supported by garmin They dropped a whole new line of watches this summer with six amazing versions of the Forerunner. iRock, the Forerunner 955 Solar. It's got a touchscreen and a solar-powered watch face so that you can get some extra juice when you're out for a long run in the sun. It collects a ton of data outside of the hour or two or three that you're out for a run because it takes into account your sleep, recovery time, HRV, and stress to give you a training readiness score every day so you know how you just might feel before your next workout and ways so that you can improve that score so you can crush it. It's got incredible battery life that lasts for days, You will get the most out of your training and take things to the next level with the Forerunner 955 or 955 Solar. I've been wearing it for three months now, and I'm still discovering new features and apps. My favorite feature is the morning report, which gives you an overview of the previous day, how you slept, what's the weather, what meetings do you have coming up, what workout is on tap. You can customize all of the information that's delivered to your watch each morning. It always ends with a nice note like, go crush it today, which is just what you need to get going. Visit Garmin.com for more information on the Forerunner 955 and the Forerunner 255 series that Runner's World says is more accurate than ever. Visit Garmin.com today. All right, so let's move over to uh, the men's side. And I got to start off with the fact that looking at your men's national rankings, the team-wise right now, it's a little bit of a surprise. And I checked kind of like as soon as I logged on to, you know, the com that I saw Stanford, Oklahoma State, BYU, then NAU. And my first thing was like, are you sure this is this is right? Because, you know, everyone <laughs> figures it's like we're in the middle of NAU's dynasty. But the numbers right now don't say that.
1: Well, we still are. I mean. If you look how close those four teams are in the ratings, it's only. six differential between um, between uh, Stanford and NAU. So it's it's a toss up. Um, I think honestly, like I was really high on Colin Salman, and I had NAU number one until I found out that Salman might not be running, and I moved his rating down just in case if he does end up running or if he does, maybe he's not quite fit um and maybe they're just right in because mike smith's a genius i don't know <laughs> i would never count out a mike smith coach team obviously that's another that's another you know uh coaching um you know uh, factor you just you know you can't put into data um intangible um look i i, I also think that you know um they had to do the john mcnichols not john mcnichols the coaching tree invite Back to back, you know, with with Oklahoma State. So there's going to be a little bit of tired legs there from some of those guys who ran it, like Theo Quax and I don't know if Theo ran even. I think Kang Neowak ran though. Um, so um, I think the one the one athlete that dropped and that hurt them the most actually is George Cush. Um, he 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 was up there pretty early and then faded. I think had he finished more in the 20s, 30s, honestly, that's the difference between being fourth and first in in the rankings just just him having like a not an not an awesome day at oklahoma state but that's how good these other teams are all four of those teams are good and they all have they're all deep they all have lots of talent and they all have really you know really good coaches so you know there's it's it's it's, it's i thought Stillwater would be more of a bloodbath than it was but certainly moving forward you know um You know, whatever whoever goes to whoever goes to Wisco, that'll be a bloodbath, and prenas the same. And then nationals, there's going to be four really good teams that all believe, all have a legitimate, you know, reason to believe that they that they that they that they can win the national championship.
0: This is bringing me. To a couple of years back, Isaac, where you had BYU pegged over uh, NAU and you just it, it really kind of bugged the NAU people the wrong way. You got blocked on Twitter and all this stuff and, yeah, and that's right. you,
1: you're not <laughs> making
0: it any easier to make amends with NAU here, but, you know giving them more fuel well, to the fire. <laughs> sure.
1: sure. I, again, I think to, to be fair, it's it's so tight between all four of those teams. And I don't think, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think any coach is going to be mad about being underrated. Um, so, because it's just, it's, I'd rather be underrated than overrated, man, for sure. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, I think, I think you could put any of those four teams in any, in any order. It, honestly, like I could have had no spine and just moved NAU to number one, just to have to deal with it. But I just thought that's ah, what the data said. So we'll just deal with it for now. Again, September doesn't matter. So, I think those are the four best teams in the country. And wherever they rank right now is just kind of more of a here's the four best teams.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting when we check back in before the NCAA championship. So, all right, Stanford at number one. Stanford's back. It's been kind of a steady improvement since Ricardo Santos t- uh, took over the team. They were fifth last year. The top four on last year's team were all kind of eligibility wise freshmen. So that experience and yet another year within the system you have the most likely to pay, you know, play dragon slayer here and, and, and kind of come out on top. So uh, what is the biggest thing working in Stanford's favor?
1: Um, I think that they got, they gained some really good experience last year. And I think, I think speaking of Jesse Squire again, I think he, he's, he's the guy every year who says the team that has the best chance to win, that is the, the, the defending champ is a team that got second the year before. And when the BYU team that I was on the coaching staff for, um, when when they won in twenty nineteen, the year before they were second. So um, to be honest, like I I uh, I like I like Stanford. I like their experience that they gained. I like Charles Hicks. Uh, I thought that they looked smooth and under control at at the Jamboree as well. And I just liked the way that they kind of took control of that group. Uh, towards the end. I don't know if you've had a chance to see that or not. Um they had the YouTube video up of the race last night and I went and watched it and um and so anyway. Um and by the way, Stanford wasn't second last year, but I do I do think there's some value to just having been a, a relevant team the year before. They were fifth. And I think that they have um they've got some guns now that are running really well. I think Kai Robinson kinda had a had a um you know a really big jump that he took last year and he didn't even race at the Jamboree. So I'm not sure um I'm not sure why. Maybe he was holding him out. Maybe he's dinged up a little. Um, and they've yet to show um, the Sherry twins. Who are both really, really talented. Um, and uh, and you know, um, Devin Hart on Thomas Boyd. On top of that, both uh, both looked solid over the weekend. So um, I, I like I like Stanford. Ricardo Santos has had a lot of good teams in the past as well. When I mean, he was coaching at Iona, and so um, I think he's he's an experienced coach who can get his guys right for NCAA's.
0: Uh, Charles Hicks is the top guy returning from last year's NCAA championships. Do you see him as, you know, the type of guy that could possibly win this whole thing individually, or is it more of a kind of combination between, you know, like, Going back a couple of years to Tyler Day, Matt Baxter, commanding the race in that top 10 sort of position where you'd have, you know, someone like Hicks and Cole Sprout and Kai Robinson running together and, and focused on that on actual championship day. Then, you know, Hicks just taking off and, and trying to win the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I could I, I, you know, I'll never be able to forget that image of 2017 when I watched Tyler Day, Matt Baxter. And it was at uh, LeMong, all three of them, six, seven, eight. And then I couldn't find a BYU dude for like another half, for another like 30 seconds. And, you know, your heart sinks. <laughs> like, not again. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so I could see it happening just like that with Stanford. Yeah, they've got a really good three in Sprout, Hicks, and, and Robinson. And I could see, I could I could definitely see that. That's, that's funny.
0: <laughs> Oklahoma State made the podium last year. Third place. This time around, uh, Alex Mayer is looking great. At least, Dude. like at the you know to start off the season, winning the the Jamborees. So, uh, you know, Oklahoma State, you have them pegged at, at number two right now.
1: Yeah, well, the reason why is because they didn't run. Isai Rodriguez, Shea Foster, or Fuad Masoudi, and that's I mean, th- th- that's probably their two, three, five, or six that didn't even run, and they're on their home turf, so. You know, the home turf advantage you always have to play in. David Smith has won national championships in the past, so you have to factor in a coach who knows how to get it done. And with the way Alex Mayer's running and, and Rory Leonard looked really good. Um I, that that's those are the kind of teams that that, you know, the, the teams who have been there done that like the BYUs and the NEUs, those are the kind of teams that make you nervous. You're like, Whoa, like these guys look legit and they are deep and they you know, you know, they uh they ran that well without their two or three, two or three of their top five or six. I mean, unless those, unless those dudes are hurt and, you know, I kind of feel like Dave was just being patient with them and bring them along. That's a really good Oklahoma state team. Really good.
0: The city Mag podcast is also brought to you by article one. Article one is an independent eyewear brand on a mission to create athletic sunglasses that transcend sport. As runners, the designers behind Article One had never found a pair of technical sunglasses that matched their style, so they decided to make their own. Designed with your entire day in mind, Article One takes you from a long run in the morning to drinks on the patio to wind down in the evening. Their timeless silhouettes paired with technical components like adjustable silicone nose pads, polarized lenses, and spring hinges create running sunglasses that stand alone. I run in Article One's park frames in amber, on my runs in Central Park. They're perfect for the summer with polarized lenses that block out 100% of UVA and UVB rays. When you're going fast, you hate when sunglasses start to slip or bounce around. That's no problem due to those silicone nose pads, which adjust to any size. They also have ends that wrap around the ears for that little bit of extra grip. I also just rock these walking around the city and sitting poolside. They don't look like your typical running sunglasses. They've got the look of the type of sunglasses you'd pick up in a store in Soho. It's been a long time coming, but Article 1 just released their newest evolution of their active frames. Say hello to Clifford, The H, Baron, Emmeline, and Moon. Article 1 is offering 20% off to Sidious Mag listeners with code Sidious at checkout. Go to Article 1, that's O-N-E, eyewear.com, and enter Sidious at checkout to save 20% today. Back to the show we go. Last year, BYU was seventh. You have them right now in a podium position. They're hoping to get back there. It's really cool to hear Casey Klinger's name again in the mix. And he's got to step into a little bit of the biggest shoes to possibly fill, you know, now that Connor Mance is gone. So, you know, uh, Garnica is also another guy who's more seasoned, you know, after another year within the system. Can BYU return to the podium?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they won the Jamboree and looked pretty good. And they did it without Garnica. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure what that means for Brandon per se. I think he's got some development to, to, and some fitness to gain over the next few months. Um, but it also just goes to show you that, you know, uh, BYU, just like NAU and some of the others, they're a factory, you know. I mean, you just bring these kids in that have tons of talent and they just start running with the best runners on, on the planet. And they get a lot better, you know. I mean, imagine being at NAU where you're seeing, you know, the likes of some of the best runners on the planet in Flagstaff every day, and you're training with them. You're gonna get better. Same with the BYU guys; they're training with Connor Mance and Jared Ward and Clayton Young, you know, quite a bit. So that so the, the two the, the big names that that really stepped up from from BYU this past weekend were the Thompson twins. Not a lot of people know who they were because they can't. Their senior year was was uh, was the COVID year, so it was just kind of hard to. Know where their level was at in terms of like what they were capable of last year. I think Davin Thompson ran at NCAAs last year and didn't have a great day. Um, but they've taken the jump. You know, I think every coach kind of knows what I'm saying. When, when I mean, they've taken the jump. Like you'll see these athletes, you bring them in and they all of a sudden start elevating their mindset, their belief. And in practice, you see it in races. You see it. The Thompson twins have made the jump. And Joey Noakes from BYU has made the jump. And those are guys that people probably never even heard of before, but they, they will because they're probably. You know, guys who could who are looking at all American spots in the back end, or at least top sixty or seventy at NCAA's. And when you when you can score under two hundred points at NCAA's, you're going to be in the podium. I think BYU's got a shot for that.
0: So we already touched on NAU. Now going through five to ten, you've got Tulsa, Washington, Wake Forest, Wisconsin, Montana State, and Tennessee. So. Of these, I guess, like, who, who can be the biggest movers and, and the biggest, uh, I guess, the biggest winners and the biggest losers within the next uh, two months of holding on to that top 10 sort of position?
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, I'm not quite as bullish on Washington as I was earlier in the year. I, you know, I'm not sure whether, where like, what they're doing. Like, is Brian Faye going to run? He, he hasn't run yet. Um. You know they, they, you know, they looked okay at Oklahoma State. Again, September doesn't matter. So you have to get you have to be really careful when you're looking at early season results like this. Um, but I'm, I just would say I'm a little more bearish on Washington. Um, still probably a top 10 team, but uh, that might be a little high for them. Uh, the two teams that, I, that I'm that i the most excited about that that I, I know I'm really high on compared to what the poll will say is Montana State and Tennessee. Um, I mean, Tennessee is going to have – I think Dylan Jacobs wins this year. And so you got you got you're basically scoring no points. So you're basically scoring four people after that, and you know you bring in Nate Kowalek from NC State, Yassin Abdallah from from Texas, and they already had um, Carl Tyson or Thieson from who was uh, who ran NCAA's last year individually, and those. So you got three more guys that'll be top seventy to one hundred NCAA's, and then you just have to have one one more kid just not just not stink at NCAA's, and you're going to be a top ten team. So. Um, I think that, I think that they're probably underrated for not, I don't even know if they're ranked right now and Sean Carlson. I mean, shoot, is he the best young coach in the NCAA? Probably.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's evident in the fact that like, I guess, you know, Nagus has gone Jacobs transferred and Carlson left because, you know, last year, you know, Notre Dame was way up there and were they second? Yeah.
1: They were second two years ago. Two years last ago. This okay. year they were ninth. Yeah.
0: Okay. And now they've, they've dropped all the way down to 14 Ooh. in your rankings. Yeah. So it's like right. that, that's a team that has just been, you know, lost, you know, coach star athlete for, and you know, for a variety of reasons and, and, or, or would probably be moving towards a rebuilding phase.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they've still got a lot of talent on that roster. Again, Notre Dame's a destination that's going to attract a lot of talented distance runners. But they're in a they're just in a major rebuild, you know. I mean, they lost Danny Kilray as well, and I think they brought in a, a good a good athlete from Penn. Um, you know, they've still got uh, Methner and Cheesman, and you know, um, a few others. I'm 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 not thinking off the top of my head, so th- they're still a quality team, and and so I'm not as worried about that for them. Um, I just it's going to be a bit of a rebuild. That's all. I mean, I guess if you're top fifteen in the country and that's a rebuild, I guess you're doing okay.
0: Yeah. All right, eleven through twenty: Portland, Syracuse, Colorado, Notre Dame, Air Force, Oregon, Gonzaga, Alabama, North Carolina, and CBU. What? Uh, who, who's the biggest sleeper team of this bunch?
1: Um, I like CBU. This is their first year they can ever. This is their first year of NCAA eligibility to run at national championships after the transition from D two. And, uh, you know, they've, they're really good. They've got, they've got probably seven to 10 guys that have run under 2930 for 10K. And uh, they've got two pretty good low sticks that ran well in Griac. Um, and so, you know, their they're ranking at 20 is, is probably about right. It might be a little overreaction from how good they looked at Griac. And so I could see them being anywhere between 20 and 30 by the NCAA championships. But right now I've got them at 20. Um, I probably, when I, mean, I look at Oregon, They've got they've got a really good uh, guy up front in Aaron Bienefeld. I you know is sixteen right? It might not be right. Like they're they're probably more like uh if they get to NCAA's that's great and then we'll see from there kind of a team actually. But again, people get caught up in well why do they have the rank so high? Well it's this is because it's actually kind of basically a simulation of what I think will happen at NCAA's not and so like because that's what the final ranking is and what does it take to be good at NCAA's? Well if you have a good low stick you're gonna you're gonna beat a lot of teams. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you're scoring a single digit point up top, then all you need is have four kids be remotely decent and you're going to be pretty, you're going to, you're going to finish pretty high, vis a vis the teams that, you know, they might have seven solid runners, but they're keeping them between the 100, the 100 finished place and 200. You're going to have the team that the low sticks going to, going to beat that team every time. Um, Colorado is probably too, too low. They're probably better than 13th. That would be another team that I'd say is a sleeper. Um, uh, I thought they had some guys run really well that I, Honestly, this is like, I don't, I'm not used to having to look dudes up, you know, like I usually know who people are, but like, I think James Overberg from Colorado, I was like, I don't know who that guy is. And that's rare for me, you know? And I was like, so so this is, it's a classic Wetmore team with, with good guy with some, with some studs up front with uh, Kent and Sweeney and Vansill, But then they bring in. some they're, they're developing guys like Overberg and um, Haug, Lucas Haug um jace ashburn is running pretty well for them um i i i wonder what happened to kashaun harrison remember him
0: in just, 2019, no, no,
1: no. now in 2019 he looked really good as a true freshman um he, he uh he was looking like maybe the best true freshman in the ncaa and i haven't heard from him since and he's a guy that i always kind of keep like in the back of my head like dude if colorado can get kashaun harrison back to where he was dude then all of a sudden they're like a top five or six team in the country maybe better
0: the school that you mentioned was CBU and I had to look it up. Cause I was like, who, and then it's California <laughs> Baptist university. Yeah. And yeah. like you said, first year they could compete at the NCAA championships. This is like a kind of a little Cinderella team that could be, you know, making a big run towards the end. They just finished second. The men finished second at uh, the Roy Griack invitational. They'll be at pre So a couple opportunities there to make some noise.
1: Yeah. No, I like them. Um, Honestly, the biggest shock, and this is maybe not even a part of our programming today, Chris, but the biggest shock for me over the weekend was was the guy who won GRIAC, okay?
0: Okay. It, it, a it, guy from us. Michigan State.
1: Yeah. yeah, a guy from Michigan State named Aiden Smith, okay? Let's talk about Aiden Smith for a second because, like, I, I, I was really surprised. This is a guy who ran 419 and 911 in high school, okay? No kidding. And he goes out as a, I think he's a sophomore, and he wins Roy Grier. He's a junior. His best, his best track PR is 8:14 in the 3K, which is that's good. I mean, I'm not gonna knock an 8:14 guy, but that's not. A, you don't look at that guy and think that guy's gonna win Grier. <laughs> and he <They> did. did. <laughs> so kudos to the coaching staff of Michigan State and to Aiden Smith for probably having the best summer of his of his life, and uh, because. That's an unbelievable win for a guy for a guy who, who you know his best his best mark before that was an 8133k. So pretty cool. Hey, that's why we love the sport, right? Isn't that why we love mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Because like it it's the bar of entry so low. And all it takes is one good summer and some significant dedication and just changing your belief. And you can be a dude who's winning a major invitational. Pretty cool.
0: The Sidious Mag podcast is also presented by final surge no matter if you're an athlete or a coach final surge helps plan and attain both short and long-term training success their free online training log is compatible with garmin strava polar stride koros and a slew of other apps and devices if you're a coach final surge makes planning and analyzing workouts super simple and helps streamline that communication between you and your athletes some of the top coaches in the world who have been guests on this show use it on a daily basis if you're an athlete out there hammering out miles and tempo runs solo with no guidance or direction final surge is also here to offer up some world-class training programs get yourself a training plan for that fall 10k or that half marathon or that full that's on your calendar they've got plans from naz elite you can hit some classics with greg mcmillan or boston marathon champion andy burfoot who are on there as coaches if you're a fan of the sport and are curious how the pros are training stephanie bruce and the rest of the naz elite squad Share all of their training logs on Final Surge. This is your chance to look at Stephanie Bruce's preparation for her Grit Tour finale at the New York City Marathon. Give it all a look at finalsurge.com and use code SIDIUS for 10% off plans and coaching subscriptions. I can't recommend it enough. finalsurge.com, code SIDIUS for 10% off. Back to the show we go. Now, uh, one last thing before we get to the individual uh, title on the men's side uh i'm kind of curious just because the uh ivy league championship is going to be here in new york city and i'm thinking of like going up to van Cortlandt to to watch it you've got princeton 23 harvard at 29 uh could those two be interchangeable by the time you know that conference championship happens
1: yeah for sure i think harvard princeton it's it's a toss-up um I think on paper, Harvard actually looks better. And I, and I, and I hear my own ranking sometimes like, a, like, cause I don't love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not funny how that works. But um, so I think Princeton and Harvard are pretty interchangeable. Harvard probably has low sticks. I like better, but Princeton might be a smidgen deeper. And so um, love Gibby and, and, and Viz are both good coaches. And so I think, I think that's a, that's, that's going to be a fun race to me. honest. Yeah. that team battle will be really good Um and, and you, you know you obviously got, got to throw in that you know the the tyler bergs of columbia or some of those other you know like there's all the all the different schools in the heps that usually have one or two one or two dudes that are also capable of kind of mixing it up in that top group and and with the heps and you know calmer will know this better than anyone else you just never know you just throw throw everything out for heps because every year there's like the team that wins is like really <laughs> like <laughs> i would not have pegged that team to win perhaps, right so i think i think uh that's probably the most it, it would be it would be a bucket list championship race for me to go to just a watch because i think it's one of the one of the premier uh conferences in in distance running and cross country and 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 every year it's just crazy competitive
0: okay so back to the individual side you already yeah. said it dylan jacobs for the win over you know, who most people would probably pick is Nico Young. Alex Mayer, you know, gets the home course advantage and is looking really good, but you're – you're going with Jacobs, who's the NCAA 10K champion. Beat uh, Abdi Hatman Nur outdoor season. So like it's it, he he really didn't it, well because he didn't contest you know the the U.S. Championships. It's sort of like after that big win, kind of went under the radar. Transferred from Notre Dame to Tennessee, and so I guess this fall will be kind of that first big moment we get to see him back in action.
1: Yeah, I mean it's hard to it's hard to lose that image of him, you know, winning that t- out kicking Nur for that 10K. Um, and that's kind of what's in my head a little bit. I think when I've got Jacobs winning, um, and also seeing you know, Alex Mayer run so well over the weekend. Um, I mean, he he took it to some really good dudes. So you know, for now, you you got to like Mayer in that second spot, and then Nico in that third spot. I mean, I think I think Nico, you know, he'll keep coming along, um, and he'll probably be. I could see it being a, a you know a pretty interesting trio there in the in that final stretch of that race. But the one thing that that Alex Mayer is going to have over everyone else is he knows exactly when to move. If you watch the YouTube video of the race, he moved perfectly. He cranked up that hill, hit that downhill hard, and it was over. And I think it was almost kind of like, there was almost like a look of shock on everyone else's face. Like, wait, what? You know, there's just, there's just something to be said about the comfortability of being on your home turf, right? Because running is hard. Okay. It's always hard. It gets hard for everyone in the middle of a race. It gets tough. When you can feel comfortable, when you can look around and feel like, you know, when you can kind of lose the panic of what's coming ahead or what's next or can I actually hold this pace without long, it's so much easier to maintain a sense of composure and poise when you're on your home turf and when you're on a place that you that you run on and compete at all the time. It's just different. So I think that that gives him a, a, an edge. I, I don't know if it's an edge to beat Jacobs, but I think uh, Jacobs, Mayer, and Young all have really similar ratings, and I like all three of those guys for for being the top three guys in the country right now.
0: Similar to uh, how you highlighted N- NC State's depth, you've got three Stanford guys in the top 10. You have Cole Sprout at six, Charles Hicks at seven, Kai Robinson at number 10. Uh, so, I mean, those three guys, again, like we said before, are pretty interchangeable, but that kind of goes to speak right now to why Stanford is so high up in your in your team rankings.
1: Yeah, I, again, it's, it's. and do you remember, I think in 2011, Oklahoma State had, had three guys that came in to get in the top ten. I think they had Colby Lowe and I was German Fernandez. I could be throwing that out. Not even know. Um. Uh. And uh. And, and maybe Shatter Church. They had they had three guys that, that were finished in top ten and civil A's, and that that led them to a championship as well. So, I think I think Stanford's. That's what that's what you know draws me to believe Stanford might be the number one team right now is because you know um they're they have a legitimate case for having three dudes in the top ten. But do you know who else does? NAU. Do you know who else does? BYU right like um, and, and Oklahoma State same thing and and so I, I don't remember a year where there were four teams that were, that were just really that good you know mm-hmm. that all have legitimate cases to say that they can win right I mean BYU at this point has a legitimate case because they just won the biggest meet of the year at this point maybe the best meet that will be run all year they did it in late September so they probably have the longest road to go in terms of like convincing themselves that they can do it again you know Um, and NAU is always going to believe they're going to win because they've won so many. So however, so many in the last 10 years, they're the dynasty, probably the best program, you know, maybe up to, you can put that up against McDonald's, Arkansas teams or the Ted Banks, UTEP teams, but probably the best dynasty, you know, team of all time. And so, you know, it's, it just makes it really fun. It's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating year from that perspective.
0: We touched on Casey Klinger briefly before. Yeah. You it's know, so a BYU's won the last, you know, two individual titles, you know, thanks to to Connor Mance, but uh Klinger can try and make it, you know, three in a row. I guess for someone who is close to the program knows him, what is it that people should know about, you know, Casey Klinger as the athlete? Because I guess he did, you know, from 2019 to 2020, he served his mission already. He did it in Sapporo, Japan. So now he's, Mm -hmm. he's back and, and going to fulfill, I guess, the rest of his NCAA, um, eligibility, but you know, this could be the big breakout year that we had to wait for, for a couple of extra years.
1: Yeah, it could be, um, Casey's a motivated guy. He's the leader of that team. Um, He's just really tough. Um, And, uh, and I think he's got, I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder. It's hard to, it's kind of, that might be surprising to say for a guy who won NXN twice, but I think that's why, right? I think, I think he's, I think he wants to, I think he wants to prove that he can not only be maybe one of the best high school cross country runners we've seen over the last decade or two, but also, you know, the, the the best collegiate runner as well, and so, um, you know, he he still gets the benefit also of training with Mance still every day. Mance is still in Provo, and and like I mentioned, that group, and so he he will put himself in position to have a chance to do it. it just it just we'll just see if he's got what it takes at the end, at the end of a ten k. He's going to be better off over ten than maybe some others as well. I think he's had a really good summer and put put in some good miles, and so I think his base is really good, and so he's going to be ready for ten. And, and you know, he's being coached by a guy who now believes he can coach the NCAA champion several times over, right? He's coached yeah. several of them now. So, um, himself, <laughs> Josh Rotinski in 06, and then two from Connor Mance, so.
0: So, of the individual qualifiers, of the athletes that go into the NCAA championship without their team, um, who really stands out to you as someone who could make a statement here? I guess, like, we we forgot to do that on the women's side. So, on the men's and the at the women's side. Sure.
1: Yeah. We'll start with the men since we're here. Um, I like Ahmed Jaziri, who won the steeple by a lot. Um, you know, steeple is funny, right? Because I've been, for a decade now, I've been like diving deep into all this data, right? I have rarely seen a connection, though, between great steepler to great cross country, although it should. Shouldn't that make sense, right? Because you're like jumping over barriers and stuff. And, like cross country kind of has a weird, similar kind of feel. But, but you know, so if Jaziri can, can transition and translate what he's doing, on the steeple, you know, in the steeple on the track to cross. He's a guy that I don't think Eastern Kentucky will quite make it out of their region. So he's a guy individually that I, that I really like. Um, I like Jordan McIntosh from Portland state. He was right there uh, pretty close to being from Oregon at Dellinger. And I think he's, he's running really well. He transferred from Minnesota and he had, he redshirted last year track, I think, and, and ran some pretty good times. And so he's, he's, he's the guy that I like. I also like Baldwin Magnuson from Eastern Michigan as well. Um, he had a really good track season i don't know many might not have even paid attention to what he did on the track but i'll just i'll I'll enlighten you uh quickly he ran um 747 for 3k and 1332 for 5k and so (laughs) unless he's one of those dudes who just struggles to transition from track to cross i think that that's a guy who's going to be a really solid um guy on a non-individual on an individual team not on not on a on a team running as an individual. So that's on the men's side. Um, if we switch it to the women's side, looking at athletes that will, that might not make it um, that t- their team might not make it. Um, you know, there's, there's cases for like Grace Forbes from rice. I know Rice's women's women's teammate it last year. Um, I don't know if they quite have it, what have what it takes to make it this year and, and hopefully they do for their sake, but um, Grace Forbes definitely, um, is someone that I look at as 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 a really strong individual, not on a team. Um, and uh, let's see who else. Um, um, maybe Perry Bachrath from Kentucky as well. Um, she she'll be another um, individual. I would think that would that would that would you know uh, be in the mix there. So um, the truth is, it's, it's it's there's probably a little bit less of that on the women's side than there is on the men's side. At least this year. I don't know if that's a, I wouldn't say that that's a, there's, you know, causation equals, you know, correlation or whatever on that, but, um, or vice versa. But, but I think that just for this year, at least that there's a a few more like really good individual men this year than that won't be on good teams than there are the women's side.
0: Uh, I know you've probably seen them all over instagram and twitter because they've gone uh viral over the last couple of days the santa clara men's <laughs> cross-country team and those beautiful headshots of those guys <laughs> now the team it doesn't seem like will make it to the ncaa championships but it does seem like they might have one guy sneak in possibly as an individual with zach Litoff. i think you've got him at number 47 according to your rankings
1: i like santa clara I, 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 I like that they stick to their guns and they, and they do what they do. They're going to do Santa Clara, and that's great. Felipe and Pete are great coaches, and they're even better people. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they're probably – they're a team that maybe a decade ago, Cal Poly snuck into NCAAs on the men's side. It was kind of like, what? you know They just hit it out of the park in the West region, and in the West region, if you hit it out of the park, you're going to have a shot, right? Santa Clara is kind of one of those teams for me. Or like, if you get a team that that scored a lot of points early, that that has a bummer day at the region meet, Santa Clara could sneak in there. I agree that they're probably on the outside looking in, but I do like Zach Lightoff. I like Nick Russell, uh, Harvey Chilcott, um, and uh, and uh, they picked up a kid from uh, from Duke as well. That that's pretty talented. So you know, they've got some good athletes. And they'll, they, they'll the hard thing about being an individual in the West though is that such like it's such a deep region. That especially on the individual side that like they're usually the region that gets the five or six, you know, that gets the that gets the bump for the extra two, you know, because it's it's they're, they're usually got, you know, three or four guys in the top in the top 10 that aren't even on teams, you know, so I could see Santa Clara getting a couple of those
0: so while nau may have the hardware santa clara is the most popular team in america right now and so you know definitely ones to watch i think and you know who knows who knows if they could pull off a stunner sometime in uh october or you know in early november to qualify for the ncaa championships but Isaac, thank you so much for dropping all of your cross-country wisdom on us. We'll check back in before the NCAA championships, and then after that, we'll assess how your rankings do once again and unpack all of the actions. So uh, thanks so much for, for doing this again.
1: Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you. Always a pleasure.
0: That does it for another episode of the City of podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend, leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to contribute and support the show, you can also back us on Patreon by visiting patreoncom Mag or send over any tip or one-time donation over to Sidious Mag on Venmo. You guys are all the best. Thanks for listening. Legs are feeling good. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.